0: Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's study of scripture is a one-and-done. We have the small letter that Paul writes to Philemon in our New Testament. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us, for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you what to, to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. This is the word of the Lord. In brief, what has occurred here is a slave by the name of Onesimus, uh, Philemon's slave, ran away and somehow managed to find himself near Paul in the city of Rome. And Paul, Well, Paul, at that point, you learn this at the end of the book of Acts, Paul spent a couple of years in house arrest in Rome, just sharing the gospel with anyone and everyone he could. Uh, many people were coming and visiting him, and, and he would gladly share Christ with them. So as as Onesimus has run away from Philemon, um, and for whatever reason, maybe God inspired him to, to go a certain way, we don't know. He heads to Rome, and in Rome, he hears about what's going on with this guy named Paul, and he shows up at the door, hears the gospel, believes. Onesimus becomes a Christian, and after a time, after a season with Paul, Paul writes this letter, and most likely sends the letter in the hand of Onesimus himself, sending him back to Philemon to be restored and that's, that's kind of the general context here, as Paul encourages Philemon to now put Onesimus to work in sharing the gospel. Well, let's look at it a little deeper. We start out with the idea, again, that this is Paul writing from prison um, in Rome, not really prison, house arrest, slight distinction. He spent a couple of years in house arrest as he waited to be heard by Caesar. So this puts it around 60, maybe 61, 62 AD, in terms of the the timeline here when this happens. Philemon is a member of the church in Colossa. And as we see there in verse 2 the mention of a couple other names Afia and Archippus likely a reference to, to Philemon's family so it could be his wife and his son it's a possibility um, brother and sister in Christ both of them the fellow soldier thing is a different metaphor other than family that we are in a sense we are the Lord's army we are the church militant we are fighting against the devil and against, against his corruption in this world as we share that light, that hope that we have in Christ. And so that's that's what Archippus is up to. And then the church. The church that is in Philemon's house. Now, there could be a couple of ways to take that. Could be a reference to his household, just in general. So not just Philemon and his family, but also the servants that are in the house, such as Onesimus would have been. Um, or... This could be the idea that Philemon's house is actually used as the location where those Christians in that area gathered. We know that many of the early churches gathered as house churches. Uh, It was illegal to be Christian, so they didn't have their own buildings. They would use the homes of the people in the church. So you can imagine, if you've got 50 people in your, your community that are Christian you're going to need a decent-sized home. So not the smallest home for a meeting, but one of the larger homes, and Philemon perhaps fits that description. So those are the options there for what that means. But Paul is not writing this alone. Timothy is working with him at the time, as are the people in the final greetings down in verses 23 and 24. We'll come back to those at the end of the text. And he begins this with a very common greeting of the church, uh, the common greeting, I guess, for an epistle, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. could be a chance to reflect with your kids. How do we greet each other as Christians? I think it's probably fair to say within our culture today that as, as the church in America, we greet those in the church just about the same way we greet those who aren't in the church, And there's just been a a bit more of a rich history of greeting one another within the church, sharing of the blessing of Christ, the gifts of Christ. I mean, this is like a miniature prayer as as Paul greets these people. So just a a consideration. What kind of language can we use? How can we we talk to one another in love? Verse 4. I thank my God always. It's a good reminder of what Paul instructs us to do in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, that we are to give thanks in all circumstances to God, for that's the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. So Paul, telling Philemon here that he, he prays for him regularly. And then verse 5, that he hears of his love and his faith. So this is an interesting connection. I mean, Onesimus is that messenger. Onesimus is the one who's telling Paul how Philemon lives. And it's just, again, it's just interesting. if, If Philemon is living in such a way, what made Onesimus run away from his house? I mean, you can picture... We have, we have a very different view of slavery in our minds in the, the, the era that we live in today because there were some darkened days, without a doubt, in the history of this land that we live in. But not all slavery throughout every time and space has been the same. Instead, picture the description of Philemon that you get in the text of a man who is a Christian, who loves his community who shares that love with others it is possible to treat your servants with love and respect, to care for them, to provide for them that would get a little bit more at the Jewish version of slavery from the Old Testament at least within their their households, within their communities That slavery of the Old Testament was done for the purpose of financial security. If your brother in your community, so not your your brother, but your fellow Jew, your fellow Israelite, to use Old Testament language, if he had fallen on hard times and essentially was at the point where he could not provide for himself, he would sell himself into slavery. He would join your house As your slave, for a period of seven years, and you would care for him, you would provide for him. He's going to provide you some labor to help your family, and you're providing him with the things that the body needs to live. Shelter, clothing, food, drink. Um, It was more of an exchange uh, than anything else so again different pictures of slavery through different eras of history in the roman world slavery was was often done against the northerners uh, the what they would have called the barbarians from the north the ancestors to the probably the french the british and the german anyway as we look at our text it's hard to know what that backstory is for Philemon and Onesimus because it's simply not told to us. We don't hear any more of it. We don't know of Onesimus's background before any of this. Is he one of those northerners? Is he a man that simply lived in Colossa and fell on hard times and so Philemon took him in and he resented Philemon because Philemon was a Christian and he wasn't? We just, we don't know. Uh, that's just not here for us, so it's a lot of speculation um, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't re- really put a whole lot of time into. Instead, Philemon is again described very well by Paul. You could argue that Paul is flattering him, buttering him up, uh, so that he will act the way Paul wants him to. But however you want to say it, we see that Philemon has played a key role within the church in Colossae. The hearts of the saints have been refreshed through Philemon. He has shown love toward all the saints. Verse 6, sharing of faith would become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing. That's a reference to the neighbor, so that the people in your community around you, as you share your love, as you share your faith, that they would come to know our hope that we have in Jesus through that good, good news that you share with them. To move on to verse 8 and 9, those go together. Paul argues that he is bold enough to actually command Philemon. We we see a spiritual fatherhood here too, even though Paul typically is referring to him on a brotherly level in the letter. Um, Verse 19, that Philemon owes even his very self to Paul seems to be a reference to the idea that Paul would have been the one who first shared the gospel with Philemon. That's certainly a possibility here. So Paul Paul has that authority within the life of Philemon. He could, if he wanted to, choose to order Philemon to do this, but he's instead appealing to him to do it out of the sake of love. It's sort of that, that law-gospel dynamic in our own lives, can the law motivate the Christian? Yeah, it can. Fear can motivate us. The fear of God's punishment for our sin. And the law has that function still. But you'll often hear Christians talking about how it is the gospel that ought to motivate us. The idea that we love because Christ first loved us. So let Philemon, Philemon, let your faith guide you in this. Let your faith Show you how to love and care for Onesimus. Let your faith show you how to receive him back. It's going to be what this paragraph is going to be about. Paul has sent Onesimus back. And he is now appealing to Philemon to receive him back. Not under the, the deserved punishment of a runaway slave. Whatever that punishment may have been but as a brother. As a brother in Christ, which is a stronger bond than the blood of brothers in this world. So we learn, verse 10 is where we learn that Paul shared the faith with Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment, is what that refers to. Verse 11, formerly he was useless to you, refers to the idea of really his runaway status, uh, that he was no longer with Philemon. So yeah, he's he's useless to Philemon at that point. But now he's useful to you and to Paul. A reference to his faith and that he can be a servant of the gospel either with Philemon or with Paul. And the argument here is that, as we see in verse 13, Paul would gladly continue working with Onesimus. Whatever kind of work Onesimus has been doing and working alongside Paul in Rome, Paul would have it continue. But, he's sending Onesimus home back to Philemon for a restoration, for that reconciliation. If, If Philemon chooses, he could send Onesimus back to Paul. We don't hear the outcome of that. We don't know what happens next. Backing up verse 12, As he sends Onesimus back Paul says he sends his very heart because he has shared that gospel with Onesimus and so they are now one. They're family. So he's sending family to to Philemon just as Philemon is family. Verse 16 expresses the idea that Philemon would treat him as a brother a brother in Christ, and put him to work in that direction. Again, Philemon's got a major role. We don't know what role, but a major role to play in the church in Colossa. Here's a Christian who's willing to serve. Put him to work. Find ways Onesimus can share the gospel and be a benefit to the kingdom of God there in Colossa. Now, before we move on from that, the Bible calls us slaves of sin. This is a conversation for families that they can have. What changed that? Right? In our sinfulness, we were useless to God. What, what changed? What happened? It gives you a chance to talk about what Christ did for us. Indeed, we were useless. All of our deeds, as Isaiah said, were like filthy rags. And the actual Hebrew there is worse than that, um, in terms of its meaning. Darker. Nothing good in us. And yet, through the cross of Christ, we have been freed from our slavery to sin. And as Paul will say in his other writings, we have been made slaves of Christ. There really are for us just those two positions. And we, we will serve one or the other. And so the call of the gospel, the call of Paul in the epistles, to serve the Lord in all that we do. Now, verse 17, Paul flexes his own reputation here. Receive Onesimus as you would receive me. Charge whatever he owes you to my account. So if Onesimus has wronged Philemon, count it not against Onesimus, count it against Paul. If he has stolen from from Philemon, count it against Paul. Paul will repay it. I've never understood, and verse 19's got an example of it, you know, people like to, to say, as they're talking and giving examples of things, they'll say, "Well, and not to mention yada yada yada," but they they just mentioned it, right? I've never understood that. Anyway, you've got it here. To say nothing of your owing me your very self. Philemon gets to go to paradise because Paul shared the gospel with him. So, whatever Paul owes him should just be wiped, (laughs) essentially, is the argument there. Do the right thing, brother, is the encouragement in the text. Refresh my heart in Christ. Do the right thing. A little more flattery there, 21. Confident of your obedience. I know that you will do even more than I say. Asks him to give a guest room for him, because he hopes to return there, and assumes Philemon's been praying for him and that those prayers will be answered in verse 22, that he will be released from prison and be able to visit the churches again. Verse 23 and 24, greetings from the church, uh, from other brothers in Christ. And so we get some names here. You could certainly talk to your kids of what they know about these men. Um, Epaphras, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. So Epaphras is also in chains. I don't know much about Epaphras. Um, Mark, we do know quite a bit about. And Luke, we do know quite a bit about, uh, if you consider those. So uh, Epaphras would have been a fellow Christian from Colossa, somebody known to Philemon. Mark is the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Um, We also call him John Mark. He traveled with Paul on the first missionary journey didn't finish the journey, so Paul doesn't want to take him on future missionary journeys, but here we are, you know, 10 years later, and they've been reconciled, and Mark and Paul are working together again. Aristarchus has been with Paul before. Um, We've seen that in the book of Acts, that they traveled to Jerusalem together to take an offering to the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Aristarchus accompanied him, I believe it was when he was traveling um, on that ship, for Rome to be taken to Caesar, Luke as well, traveled with Paul on his missionary journeys, writes the books of Luke and Acts in our New Testament. I'm not even seeing a note on Demas in the study Bible at all, Um, so I don't have much to add for, for Demas, but you can again see what your kids know about the names in the text. Those are our brothers in Christ.